What I'm starting to love about Minnesota is the potential. Like, I feel like a lot of our schools and just communities are so segregated in a lot of ways. Like, I don't feel like Minnesota actually represents what we think it represents. So there is potential because we already have like the mindset of what we want it to represent, but people just aren't doing it. And I'm seeing a lot more Black folks come out and just, it's getting better. This is Joetta Cook. She's a Black woman born and raised in Minnesota. Joetta's view of the state echoed many of the opinions we heard from Black residents. It can be hard to live here when you're Black. You face discrimination, racism, and isolation on a nearly daily basis. So what makes Black Minnesotans determined to stay and fight for the state that they call home? I'm Brant Williams. And I'm Jonathan Rabb. And this is Untangled Roots. With all of the obstacles facing Black Minnesotans, it'd be easy to argue that maybe this just isn't the right place for us. But overwhelmingly, the residents we spoke to didn't feel that way. The Black people we spoke with were realistic about their experiences. Sometimes they were critical about the state and where it falters, but somehow they were always positive. But even with a positive outlook, they were willing to call out what they saw as negative behaviors. When asked to describe Minnesota, Jasmira Cologne, a native of New Jersey who relocated to the state, didn't hold back. Passive aggressive. Um, (laughs) I've noticed in this state, a lot of people will say just things that, you know, a lot of microaggressions and macroaggressions. And they say that Minnesota is so friendly, but that has not been my experience. James Burroughs, a former chief inclusion officer for the state of Minnesota, also debunked the popular notion of Minnesota nice. White people think Minnesota nice is a good thing. Let me just clear that up. Black people don't. That's right. And people Mm -hmm. of color don't. We don't think it is. We think it's a passive-aggressive way of not addressing or having an honest conversation about race, about difference, about culture, and those kind of things. And when you do that, it alienates folks even more. Discussions around Black people and their status in Minnesota are sometimes framed as a mess of our own making. We live in a state that has a growing diverse population and many successful cultural enclaves. Watching other ethnic groups achieve success always throws a spotlight on Black people and what they have or have not been able to achieve. But that argument isn't necessarily fair. I think that there's there's two things happening. We are beating ourselves up, saying, hey, look at these guys. They are being model minorities. We cannot, like, why can't we do this thing? And I think that also, at the same time, they might be looking at us saying, hey, why can't they be doing those things? We've only been here for 20 years. Look at their communities. Like, why can't they build up like we did? We came from a refugee situation. We came from a war, and we were still able to build these things up. I think that when you have a better understanding of the history of it, People will be able to find empathy for themselves and for others. And I think that that's really one of the things I want to unpack, especially in Minnesota. African-Americans had a community. They came in as refugees. They did build these communities in a very short amount of time. So we're talking about, you know, in 
in a decade, they had already built thriving communities here. Right. And then a highway was built straight through the community. And they got kicked out. And they got redlined. And they couldn't move to other parts of the of the uh, you know city. And that really, really messed up the community for a long time. Yeah. And so understanding that that we we do have the ability to do this we have done it and we don't need to feel guilty that we're like oh man there's something in it, like you know inherently bad about african americans where we can't build these communities we right. can't come together you always hear this crabs in a barrel thing right which like it's describing something that happens but also, like, you can't lean on that too much because people are coming together and they are creating really, really cool things. We've heard before that Black Minnesotans need opportunities to connect with one another. But what else do we need to live comfortably in a place that does not always see our value? Joetta Cook, a licensed therapist, shared an idea that could provide much-needed support to Black people in the state. What are we missing culturally? I feel like we're missing, I would say, spaces to heal, but I feel like that falls into spaces for BIPOC folks to heal primarily. Um, But I feel like that falls into the potential because being a licensed therapist and mental uh, alcohol and drug counselor, I get to be in those spaces, so I'm constantly in it, but someone from the outside looking in, they don't know where to find a Black therapist like me or community, you know, gatherings to heal. So I think we're missing healing spaces, more advertisement around it, for sure. Black Minnesotans do have a love for the state. We have history here. Even if we move away, there are things in Minnesota we feel connected to. Our experiences are rich, and many of us look forward to building a long-term future here. Why do we stay here? Mm-hmm. That's that's something that I'm like really interested in unpacking because I honestly don't know the answer. Yeah. So maybe you can help me out. Well, we I'll, figure- <laughs> I'll offer one thing. I I appreciate there's there's a you can you can learn things by exploring all moving to different parts of the the country and in in um, this is going to sound weird but. Um, But there's also, uh, there's the value of knowing something, one thing really well. Yes. And knowing a bunch of stuff kind of well. Yeah. You know, and in my life, I tend to be that person who knows one thing. Well, I shouldn't say that because I'm, I'm, I do have, I dabble in a lot of things. I have a lot of different hobbies and that sort of thing. But when it comes to where I live, I guess I'm really interested in, I want to be that guy who knows the, you know, 30 years ago, there used to be a hardware store there and, <laughs> yeah. and I'm turning into that guy. Believe yeah. me, I can walk around this town and I've, I, there's so many, I call them ghosts, you know, um, that I know of, you know, there used to be this school here and you know, this store was here. We used to go to when I was a kid. We used to get now and later at this corner store here before we went to school. And um, or when I covering and then from my work as a reporter, I know of like where all these murders happened in all these places. You know, that's where a young guy got killed over there for this and, you know, and all yeah. these things. But it's like I feel there's a value in in having this knowledge. You know, institutional knowledge yeah. that is all that I've got. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> Maybe it's my, I'm, I'm, as I get older, there'll be the, like the one thing that I have, I'll be the old guy sitting around talking about, well, you know, it used to be this way 50 yeah. years ago. There used to I be know. a door there. <laughs> yeah. Now there's not a door there. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. So there's, I find some comfort in that, I guess. One notable black Minnesotan who constantly sings the state's praises is Mayor Melvin Carter. He's St. Paul's first black mayor and a fourth-generation resident of the Rondo neighborhood. We asked him how he pitches Minnesota to folks out of state. What's your elevator pitch? Oh, they hear it all the time. You know, I tell folks that, like, whatever your preconceived notions are about St. Paul, they're probably 100% true 100 years ago. People don't automatically assume that St. Paul is a majority people of color city. People don't automatically assume that our children in our public schools speak over 100 different languages at home. People don't automatically assume that it feels like we have a Fortune 500 company every other block and we have this incredible ecosystem that exists around here, that we have this uh, strength of African-American organizations and churches and history uh, that exists here, that we have the strong kind of neighborhood uh, kind of uh, interconnectivity that we're talking about here right now that exists here. And so, you know, one of my part of my pitch is uh, that there is incredible opportunity here, uh, that there's uh, a, a space where you can grow here, where you can develop your company, you can develop your career, you can, you know, raise your children well here. Um, and, you know, frankly, you know, again, I graduated from Florida A&M University, could have gone anywhere in the world. And the more I uh, looked at the things that I needed for my family, myself, my career, the more obvious it became that St. Paul was the place to launch those things. Right. I, I share that with folks. And, and the number two park system in the country. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we just got rated number two. I know, But right? behind Washington, D.C. So it's like, okay, <laughs> you're comparing us to the Washington Monument. Over the course of these episodes, we spoke to Black people attending the Black Market Minneapolis. They were often practical and detailed in their understanding of what Minnesota is and what it means to them. They were honest about the challenges that exist. But the thing they were most interested in sharing with us was their optimism. Everyone believed that this state has the best opportunities for success. The only thing stronger than their belief in the state was the belief in each other as Black people. Justine Larson grew up on the east side of St. Paul and has lived in the city all of her life. I have seen the success that Black people can have here, the uh, support that is welcomed here. There are so many people that want to support and uplift black and brown people. It might be, may have to do a little work to find it, but they're all here and they only and just want to help you. We have doctors and lawyers and teachers, principals, people that work for the state in our family. And it's all because people support each other. You want something, you want, you have goals. Let me help you do that. Let me find the right spaces where you can really excel. And to me, that's, that's what the black and brown community is here. It's always trying to lift people up and get them from a different space than they think they can be. We don't have to be pushed down because we're black or brown. There are people that show us, no, you can do this. You really can do this. And I'll show you how to do it. So that's what I love. Ultimately, the story of black people in Minnesota is complicated. We can't be reduced to a bunch of stereotypes or generalizations. We've been in Minnesota from the beginning and will continue to be here long into the future. 
Our commitment to the state, even in the face of ongoing challenges, reflects an understanding that comes from knowing that when you love something, you fight for it. You got to belong to a place. But you yeah. have to, this is my place. You also have to belong like there is there is a lot of social capital in being tied to a place as a black person with other black people. This is not like like outside of it doesn't really matter. But like within black culture, being tied to a place that gives you a lot of social capital. Yeah, there's got to be some cred there and as we've yeah. talked about before, like sometimes it's it's you know mentioning you know it's like Prince or you know a Sounds of Blackness or yeah. you know we have some connection you know but but as you're saying that a lot of people now are seeing so much of Minnesota tied in with George Floyd yeah and you know maybe it's time to turn that around for a positive because if something really big change big change comes out of this yeah we can say that we were here and we were part of that either yeah. me covering it as a reporter. And having the institutional knowledge that I have about this city and, and the communities here, or you you grew up in this, or you know you have you know roots in that area uh, near the third precinct, and you came back here because of that, and yeah. you wanted to be part of what's going to happen in the next chapter of Minneapolis. Yeah, maybe that's you know looking ahead in the future that we establish this as a place. It's like no, there's stuff happening here. Yeah, you can be like fully black in Minnesota. Yeah, and it's all right. I think that people are also often, like, grasping for that credit, right? Like, I don't know. I just have a friend from Queens, New York. She doesn't have to explain herself to nobody. <laughs> She's just, I'm from Queens. Queens. Boom. Period. That's it. And everybody goes, okay, cool. No follow-up <laughs> questions. Like, you're good. I know, right? Um, and when you're from Minneapolis, you have to do some, like, uh, sure. You know, right. Yeah, yeah. From Minneapolis. Yeah, so like, you know, there's... I'm from exactly south side Minneapolis. You have to do a little bit more explaining. Right. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that people are often grasping for something that, like, allows them to explain themselves better. Yeah. Just like, hey, this is where I belong in the world. This is where I come from. Where I come from is a place that matters. And, Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Untangled Roots is a production of NPR News and part of our North Star Journey Project. Untangled Roots would not have been possible without the work of many people, including executive producer Sarah Glover, producers Twyla Dang and Brent Williams, hosts Brent Williams and Jonathan Rabb, sound design and mixing Alex Simpson, researcher Anne Harrington, with original music by Greg Greese. You can learn more about Untangled Roots, the North Star Journey Project, and find additional resources by going to the NPR News website at nprnews.org. Untangled Roots was made possible in part by the Minnesota Legacy Amendments Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.